Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me, George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey, and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. My name is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. It has been over 50 episodes so far, and it's just been a real pleasure to speak with so many great, talented people. I hope that you've been taking advantage of all the episodes that, that we have out now. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And so if you are also an Apple Podcast listener, by all means, a like and review means the app means the world to me. Um, and it also means a lot for the show because the more reviews and the more likes and the more subscriptions, the more Apple will pay attention. So that is always, always, always appreciated. Um, and speaking of, speaking of success, um, I am really, really thrilled to have our current guest here because one of the things that I, re- that I am always attracted to in, in people are the ones that make a point to let you know that success is not, is not a competition, especially in the field of writing, because, and especially with indie writing, because when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. And I am so thrilled to have my guest, Melissa Storm, here to basically share her journey and show you that this is Melissa really is like the epitome of someone who basically does everything that she can for this industry and wants as many great writers out there as possible to join her on this journey because she not only is an incredibly successful uh, writer of her on her own uh, she has reached the USA Today bestselling list seven times and one time on the New York Times list. So this is already somebody who really, really knows what she is doing in this field. Um, but she is also through her, um, through her, com- her own company, Lit Ring, and uh, all the different lessons that she has put, that she has assembled for, for purchase for, uh, for, all of the, for all the writers to really 
dig into and really absorb and take everything that she has learned and apply it to their own stuff. It really is just a, a, a real treat. And I am so excited to have her here this week with us. So without further ado, may I introduce Melissa Storm. Melissa, how are you? Hi, George. Thanks for having me. Love the intro. I couldn't have uh, said what I do better myself. And I'm a writer. <laughs> so there you go. Really, really <laughs> compliment. Now, if only I could real, you know, bring out that sort of that sort of off the cuff kind of intro in my own work. You know, but that's that's just me. You know, that's that's my own that's my own issues as a writer. We all have our own issues. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um, so with everything that you have done, you are you're currently working on uh, what what is the latest project that you have that's uh, that's either out or in development. What are you working on right now? Um, in all honesty, I have six works in progress at the moment. Um, of course, of course. <laughs> I like to flit about. Um, something I'm really excited about is the third book in my Sunday Potluck Club series um, coming out with Kensington. My publisher was very understanding about my anxiety around quarantine and COVID. So they gave me a very nice extension, um, which I definitely needed. Um, so working on that, among other projects, for my cozy mystery pen name, Molly Fitz, and mm -hmm. for my shared urban fantasy pen name, Mila Riggs. Oh, so you have, you have another pen name there. I, I knew I have, a, I have four. Yeah, um, I, knew, I knew of, obviously, yours, Melissa Storm, and I knew of Molly Fitz. I didn't know about the, about the latest one. Well, Mila Riggs is still a baby. <laughs> her first books came out this year. I'm writing her with my best friend, Mallory Crow. Mallory mm -hmm. has two pen names. She writes paranormal romance and romantic suspense. And we decided to kind of meet in the middle with urban fantasy. So sweet and clean and wholesome, like you nice. would expect from a Melissa Storm or Molly Fitz book. Mm -hmm. uh, but it has some magic and adventure. Um, and it, it's really nice to be able to do it with my best friend too. And it's, it's been one of the easier things to work on during quarantine with stress and having a six-year-old at home um, who you might hear um, in little spurts, even though I'm a floor up from her with the door closed. That's just how loud <laughs> six-year-olds can be. I, I have, um, uh, my, my daughter is almost three, so yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hiding from her in the master bedroom, as well as hiding from most of my pets because we have seven <laughs> dogs and two cats. Um, I have brought my two favorite dogs into the room with me because I can't handle perfect silence. So I'll go mad. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome there. So, um, and you also have, uh, you, you also have a uh, Patreon project that's kind of in the works as well. We just launched that today. So I have uh, four businesses uh, on the author services side. There's Lit Ring, which you mentioned, which does mm -hmm. group promotions and advertising. There's Novel Publicity, which is my flagship business that I started back in early 2011, so it's almost 10 now, mm -hmm. um, that offers consulting and a PA program, as well as some editing and formatting services. We have Your Author Engine, which is where the classes live. Um, so I, I teach about a lot of things, but especially about marketing um, and deep dives into the genres that I write. So my most popular class there is definitely Writing and Marketing, Cozy Mysteries, and mm -hmm. I do have a sweet romance and women's fiction one coming up soon. Um, 
I think that's all the business. No, I also own a small press called Sweet Promise Press, where I publish other <laughs> authors. Um, oh, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the one that's most time consuming. I forgot because I wasn't working on it today. I was working on the new Patreon, which is actually a new project mm-hmm. um, that doesn't neatly fall into any of the businesses because it's a partnership with one of my closest friends, Alana Terry, who is mm-hmm. a Christian suspense author. We love... Uh, we co-life coach each other as we call it. And we love coming up with big ideas. Um, and we just did a writing challenge to encourage authors this past week to break through their blocks and anxiety and basically say, I'm not afraid of you 2020. And we did that for others because we needed it ourselves. Um, so a few hundred people joined and the momentum was fantastic. I wrote 8,000 words this week, um, which for peak Melissa, not a lot, but for 2020, Melissa, a miracle. That's fantastic. Um, so we decided to expand that into a Patreon because uh, the members of the challenge wanted the option of having more all month long. So um, the Patreon is called The Writing Cave with Melissa Storm and Alana Terry. Mm-hmm. And we have all kinds of levels for writing or marketing or both. Wow. Wow. That's, <laughs> That's what I've oh, been man. doing for the past 24 hours. This is my first time thinking. <laughs> 24 hours. <laughs> well, actually, like uh 20 24 and three quarter no 25 and three quarters hours but it's been like non-stop other than you know sleeping a little bit yeah um, so this is my first but who needs time, sleep you know, just... this is my first time emerging from the creativity cave of wow. creating the writing cave it's very meta um but i'm here now and, most and clear. it's a good way to kind of take stock in everything <laughs> you've got, that you've gotten going because like there are so many people that are um that that look at that look at themselves just like oh i can't you know like i've I've wasted so, you know, so much. I don't have, you know, like anything to show for myself, but then all of a sudden you start jotting down like all the things that you've done or have in the process and just like, wow, I got a lot going here. And so just, I know you never have to think about, about, uh, about that, you know, yourself with everything that, uh, that you have going. It's, it's pretty, that's really amazing. We We all doubt ourselves. We all have creativity blocks, especially this year. We all have imposter syndrome sometimes. Yes. I'm always yep. surprised, you know, all these years later, I've been full-time in the industry for about 10 years. And I wrote my first book 11 and a half years ago. I'm 35 now. So this is like my adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still always surprised when something I wrote is good. When I read it back, I'm like, whoa, when did I learn how to write? And I, I feel <laughs> that way every single time I look at anything I've written. Um, so I think the imposter syndrome kind of never goes away and you need that to stay humble to an extent. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely, do, I know I don't have to worry about that myself because like, yeah, I, I got that uh, hanging on my shoulder pretty much like 24 seven, but that's just me. Um, oh yeah. Um, so, so let's go back. So you were, you mentioned that, uh, that you have been a full-time writer for over 10 years now. So let's go back to the very beginning of the time when you realize that writing is something that you truly love. So it's, we're, we're going to go back to what I call the lightning bolt moment, that moment where you basically just kind of realize that um, the sort of profession that you're, that you're doing right now, like that moment that made you say, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. That's the world I want to live in. What was it for you? Well, there's so many moments because I feel like there's been a push and pull my whole life. Um, as my bio says, uh, I was too pragmatic to major in English, even though that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I can't get a job with that. Um, mm-hmm. So I got my master's in, um, 
in sociology and, and survey methodology. Um, and then I worked in the industry for like a year before I got bored and started writing a novel on the side. Um, my real lightning bolt moment that I don't share a lot, but I think your listeners would appreciate is um, I was still in college, I think in my third year, I had just transferred to a new school and I was so confused about everything. You know, that quintessential growing up problem and finding your place in the world. Mm -hmm. My millennial angst, my young millennial angst back then, I'm old millennial. Um, what should I do? And I was driving and crying. It was, I was driving, it was raining, tears were streaming down my face. It was obviously a very safe situation. Um, and I was just praying and I was like, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what you want from me. Um, just give me a sign. Tell me already. And I swear mm -hmm. to you, I heard so clearly, right. Like mm -hmm. I heard the voice echo throughout all of me straight into my heart. And then I cried even more. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, that was nice. And then I just continued to meet <laughs> <laughs> But I came back to it. And I always remember that moment. Um, because it can be really scary when you feel like you have a calling to do something. You think, who am I to have this right. privilege? Um, and writing is a dream come true and it's amazing. And that's why I like to encourage so many others because I feel so personally fulfilled and I want that for everybody. Um, but it's so, so scary when you're looking mm -hmm. at it, um, when you're just getting started, it's terrifying. And you know, I, there, there I was as a little bawling 19 year old no idea what to do, even though I've just been told. Um, but yeah, I, I have a, I have a belief that things always work out as they're meant to. So I think I needed that twisty, turny journey uh, mm -hmm. to really appreciate what I was able to gain, as well as I learned some really good math that helps me run ads, which is oh, important for my career. So <laughs> it all worked out. Wow, that's so cool. That is so cool. Um, so when you got that, you figured, you know, like you got that calling and everything and you've accepted the fact that it is a calling. What was that first project like for you when you were really just, you know, really serious about what it is that you were doing? Um, what was that first one like? What was first, that first experience like? The first book I wrote, I still like, I look back and I'm like, what made it different? Because throughout my life, like starting in fifth grade, really, I was always writing stories, shorter mm -hmm. stories, comic books. I wrote a lot of comic books as a kid. I used to be a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know what made that first novel different where I finished it. Yeah. Um, I still don't understand, but um, I have a theory. Uh, at the time, I was leading a very large book club in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, and we had over 400 members. Not that many came every time. Right. We were reading the classics and it became a really big book club and when the local newspaper went online they were looking for community contributors kind of like official bloggers mm. um, and they reached out to me and they said we think you're a books expert um do you want to cover book stuff for the news and i was really excited to do that for free um Thanks but so then they liked my stuff so much that they started paying me for my columns oh. and then i was like well i think that's the I, first the accountability of I have a deadline and then the um, just the bolster of encouragement that I actually am good enough to be paid for mm -hmm. writing something and I think those things combined really just I started chipping away at my novel because I was bored in my day job and I could get the work done in two hours that was assigned for eight hours so I had a lot of time to kill um, there you go 
I wrote this book. So the first one, um, it's, it's published now as A Colorful Life. It's self-published. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a women's fiction novel that ended up being semi-autobiographical, although that was not the intention. Right. Um, I think I finally just finished a whole project and it was so easy to put so much of me into it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, that has a close place in my heart, but also I kind of hate it because <laughs> I learned all the lessons <laughs> you need to learn when you're starting writing, like what is passive voice? And just because I know a big word, mm-hmm. you know, I should use it there. Um, right. So it went through a lot of drafts, uh, but it's uh, and, and people like it. It's just one that's not discovered as often as some of my newer titles. Right. Oh, man. Uh, I, I just remember, you know, thinking about that, going through that whole experience myself. Um, you know, when I was doing, when I was doing my first novel in 2002, and then uh, not writing again until 2010. And that's when things really, that's when I really learned a whole lot. That's when I was working with an editor and everything. So, and I didn't realize just how much extra work had to go into it until I started working with uh with an editor. So um, what was, what was your first experience like when you got to, you know, like after you, you know, wrote out something, after you finished something, did you self edit? Did you reach out to someone else to help you with the editing process? Did you edit it at all? What was the whole setup for you? I did have friends edit for me. Um, I had um, my best friend at the time, every time I wrote a new chapter, I would drive to her house and we'd read it together. And I think Mm -hmm. that encouragement was huge too. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, at the time, I was looking for an agent. This was 2010, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so self-publishing is still pretty new since yeah. you were getting your second start then too. I know you recall. Um, That's when the I Kindle started. And I yep. was, yeah, I wasn't yeah. quite ready yet, but I didn't know it. So I got a lot of rejections and mm-hmm. I would cry. I, I sound like such a crybaby in this interview because I hate crying, but those moments that I do cry really stand out to me. That vulnerability opens into some some new amazing possibility. So I was oh, yeah. the yeah. tears. I um, totally get it. You know, like I mean, it's it's when it's when you have that sort of breakthrough, you can't help but let let some out. You know, like it's yeah. it's something because if you don't, you know, like you're just going to keep it bottled up, and that's not healthy. Well, I was I had this thing that I'd worked so hard on that I couldn't believe I had made. Um, mm-hmm. It really is like a baby um i have a daughter who is my world and my greatest creation um i had help from my husband so i owe him a thanks for that Mm -hmm. um but that first book it was kind of the same as wow i this is a miracle (laughs) i created life (laughs) on these pages oh my gosh i can't believe it she's so beautiful and then when you query and agents are like no no or don't even respond because it's so bad mm-hmm. or they're so busy it's yeah. like being told that baby is ugly and that's really hard um i think everybody has to kind of go through that trial by fire as a new writer be it through querying agents or really tough editorial feedback or maybe mm-hmm. some not as great reviews um but they really they they helped me get to a much better place because when I look at how hard I had to try back then versus 10 years of 10 plus years of experience internalized and how much better and faster I write now Mm -hmm. um it's amazing it's amazing but it was really hard back then um looking for an agent and uh eventually I decided to self-publish um I did have an agent for that book I wrote another one in self-published it. The mm-hmm. agent uh, kept trying to make changes I didn't like 
Um, so we parted ways and I ended up self-publishing that one too. Mm -hmm. These days I still don't have an agent, which is like, I, I, like, I don't know what it is. I consider it my Everest or something because, you know, I've listed so many times. Um, I've won awards, like I have a really great platform, but I still do not have an agent. I just act as my own. So my traditional publishing deal is like, I'm my own agent and I'll mm -hmm. have my attorney look at it. And yeah. I'm kind of in the same place as the beginning, but also in a much better place. <laughs> oh, absolutely. In a much better place, especially considering with all the experience that you have, um, you're, you're at a spot where you can, you can collect that, ten, that extra 10%, you know, for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always a good thing. That's always a good thing. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that I, you know, like I myself have, have an agent and they're fantastic. But at the same time, it was just like, I, you know, the way, the way that we had set up our deal was um, since the Excelsior books are already set up with a different publisher, that part wasn't, you know, didn't need to be included. Um, so now it's just like, okay, once this book is done, I'm going to have to come up with something that they're going to, you know, I need to make sure that I get something over to them. Um, because I don't want, I don't want them to just be, you know, sitting there doing nothing, you know, you know so that part of it, you know, does provide a little extra motivational boost. Um, but, uh, but I mean, considering you, um, all the, all the different plates you have spinning right now, it's just like, there's no need for that little extra, um, little extra push because it sounds like you're doing a great job pushing yourself with with everything you got going. Oh yes, I love to push myself. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> too far, sometimes just far enough. So the um, so what was uh, what was your first? What did you do to celebrate the launch of your first book? Did you you know did you have a launch party? Did you you know do anything special or what was uh, what was it like when you first got something out there that you can hold in your hands and say I wrote this. This is mine. Um, I did a lot of crazy things back in the day. I think, uh, so this was 2011. So what mm -hmm. worked was different then. I think I had a blog tour that I organized with like 200 reviewers. Wow. Uh, made a book trailer, live action book trailer that I scripted and had produced. I just went like crazy with the stuff because at the same time I was finally realizing and seeing it come to fruition, my love of writing, my love of business and marketing was born. Um, mm -hmm. I got online a little bit because of being a books journalist, but also just because I'm a writer now. So I guess I need to have a blog and a Twitter and build my platform. That's what they right. say to do. Oh and yeah. Do not within a week of me being online and posting like what I was learning like New York mm -hmm. Times bestselling authors were retweeting me and my advice and saying I was an expert. I was like, oh, apparently I'm an expert at social media. Um, and who are you to say no? Well, <laughs> well, I was like, okay, well, I guess I can make a uh, workbook or something. I started working on that. And I'm like, this would just be easier if it was more personalized. And that's how my first business started, um, Novel Publicity. Mm -hmm. um, so I spent a lot of time focused on that. Um, and then about a year that's when I launched my first book and I was able to bring in um, all my business and marketing contacts and knowledge I'd made, which is kind of why I went buku crazy mm -hmm. is because I was growing in both places. I was growing my writing and my business by learning these skills and showing what we could do. And it was awesome. I think I did really, I don't, I have no idea how much I made or what the ranks were, but I remember feeling really good about it back then. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. 
I don't know if it was a couple copies a day or if it was a couple hundred copies a day. I honestly cannot remember. Um, yeah. I won a lot of awards uh, and that really felt good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> now were they, you know, were these all awards that you had, uh, that you had entered the book in or did other people enter it in for you? What was the, yeah, I think mostly I entered myself a couple. I didn't, but like the one that really stuck out was writer's digest self-published novel of the year for the young adult. Oh, wow. category. So I was really proud of that. I got a thousand dollars. Um, and that felt really cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> It definitely gave me the encouragement um, I needed. And it's funny is I had never won any additional awards until like this week. So it's been 10 years. This week? <laughs> it's not like an award per se, but it feels like one because um, my publisher wrote me and said, hey, congratulations. You know, your new release is one of Amazon's best romances of the month. They picked 12 each month out of, you know, so many books getting published and they liked mine. I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's great. And yeah. just and, and just for reference for everyone, we're recording this the first week of September. So um so oh, that's so you. that's where that's where we are right now. So <laughs> but uh but yeah, that's that's amazing. That's amazing to do that. So um so was the was it just like kind of like the rush of getting that sort of experience and everything? Just was that kind of what made you want to put that, you know, those sort of, um, those sort of lessons together and everything as a, as a means of giving back almost automatically? Well, I started in consulting and, and a la carte services. I didn't start doing courses until almost exactly three years ago. Um, ah. But um, I definitely liked helping other authors and it enabled me to quit my day job, which was boring anyway. Um, there you go. But I, it was, it was strange because I excelled at business and marketing so immediately mm -hmm. um, and so quickly overnight that for the longest time I considered the business my wife and the writing my mistress and I can't mm -hmm. quit either of them, but I always feel guilty when I slink away with the mistress because I should be with the wife. Uh. Um, so this is just an analogy. I'm mm -hmm. happily married to my husband yeah. and have no mistress. <laughs> mistress. Um, but I spent so much time on this and so little time on my writing. Mm -hmm. um, so I got really slowed down um, because, you know, you focus on where you're doing well. And it, it wasn't until really within the last year that my income shifted to be more royalties and less from the business. And now I have a very large, well, a staff of seven. Right. Um, so you know, the business is still going really well, but most of my income still comes from the writing now. And it took a very long time to tip that balance um, mm. and to make the time for me. Yeah. So, so how is it? So, um, so once, you know, so you have that first book out, you have it, you know, like, and it's, and it was doing well and that prompted you to, to keep on working. Um, what what tell tell us about that moment when you set when like you said you were able to quit that full time job? What was it that uh, that what was that moment like? Because that's well, something that, that's something that so many authors really strive for, you know, more than anything. Well, that was before I published my first book. <laughs> really, business took off right away. Wow, um, very cool to be able to be in the industry I love so much and. I think that's part of the reason why other authors liked and trusted me is because I was one of them and I'm aspiring and I, you know, I'm an author 
you that you have this book ready. Yes, I'm working on mine. And we met in a, in a common place. Um, so mm -hmm. quitting my day job was, I mean, it was really great to like, I made this, I yeah. could, I can do better on my own than what I can do with a graduate degree um, mm -hmm. out there. That was amazing. Yeah. Oh man. That, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's such a, it's, it's such a great moment that, you know, that I, I would, you know, absolutely love to have myself just, and not even to, not even to make light of my, of my full-time job, because I really enjoy everyone there and I really enjoy what I do. But at the same time, that's what everyone, that's what everyone wants. They want to be able to take their passion and make it into their full-time income. So that's, that's fantastic. Now I read the, um, I did. I did purchase one of your um, author oh, engine um, lessons. I did get the, um, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the one about um, about charting on the uh, on one of the lists and everything. Basically, just kind of like taking you through step by step a step by step process of doing this to give yourself like the best possible chance to do it. Um, so, what was take us to that first time that you charted on one of these lists? Okay, um, that's an interesting one to choose because that was the first class and that was the reason I teach classes now. And I've actually retired that one because it's outdated and I'm doing a new version of the class live right now. Oh. Um, so it's refreshed in my mind. That was uh, 2017, um, late mm -hmm. summer and early fall. And I basically, I'm a, I'm a very big risk taker. I am not at all risk averse um, when it mm -hmm. comes to my business. Now ask me to go skydiving. No. <laughs> but, um, I was making probably a couple hundred dollars a month on royalties. I had some readers, not a lot. And I said, well, I want to be a bigger name. So I guess I'm going to become a USA Today bestseller now. Um, and I always do this. Like I get very confident about something and I just decide to make it happen, even if it's crazy. Um, and I was like, I'm going to commit to this and I know it's going to be hard and expensive. And not only am I going to commit to it, I'm going to invite the world to watch. <laughs> so, oh my. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wait, I remember this. I yeah. remember this. I remember th this, this whole journey. Yeah. I remember seeing this online. Yeah. 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 So I did that. Um, and it worked. I listed at 100 and I swear my heart stopped in the best possible way. Like, mm -hmm. and to know that I had earned that and I had done it myself against huge odds, you know, it was just a, a single title first in a new series. It wasn't a box set or anything. Um, and yeah, when the list came and I saw my name there, that was a moment to remember. Um, now, it feels great every time, um, but that first time was really special. You never forget um, it. You never forget that first one. Yeah. Yeah. And the New York Times one was even more special because I had no idea it was going to happen. Like at mm -hmm. least USA Today, okay, I've been marketing my tuchus off. It's time. But that one, I was like, what? And yeah. I cried. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I would too. You know, I'm telling you, like, I mean, d don't apologize at all for being emotional. You know, like if you, if, if you had just kind of shrugged it off, then there'd be a problem. You yeah, know, the no. fact that the fact that you're that you're crying, the fact that you're being emotional about this, that just proves that you are exactly where you need to be. So, you know, don't don't I, apologize for that. For, I'm thankful for every day, even the hard days. And Lord knows, there's been a lot of those in mm -hmm. 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, they all get me to the place I need to be, and I, I think that's true of all of us. But I can. 
say that um, before quarantine started, I got diagnosed with a chronic illness, um, severe mm -hmm. anemia, to yeah. the point where I wasn't even really supposed to leave my house or stand up too much. Um, my hemoglobin was so low, I could pass out at any time. Um, and I was wow. getting infusions um, and it wasn't working. And I was reduced to working very little mm -hmm. for a lot of months. Um, and it was extremely hard because I love achieving and accomplishing and I love what I do. I don't want to not work. Yeah. I, I was stuck. Um, and that's why I'm obsessed with Pokemon because po Pikachu helped me through that really hard period. Um, <laughs> and then in the uh, last week of February, I had a surgery to help with that. And um, one week after I had the surgery is when quarantine started and um, my daughter was let out of school. And um, so the surgery, I did find out a couple weeks ago that I'm officially cured. It did work. Um, wow. It, delayed in finding out because I couldn't go to the doctor <laughs> right <laughs> since I was high risk. Um, but um, I'm cured now but I had my own personal health quarantine right back to back with COVID so it's really it's been a year of this um, mm -hmm. but I've learned how to take vacations I've learned how mm -hmm. to take weekends I've learned that I don't have to work as hard to reach my goals as I thought I did yeah um, you know I was shocked when my income didn't go down, even though I was only working an hour or two a day. What do you mean? I don't have to work 10 hours a day. <laughs> I couldn't, and my books were there for me and they kept the income steady, not just for me, but for my staff who work yeah. for me full time. And I just couldn't believe it. Like that, that was another moment. I did not cry, but I felt really, really good inside. Yeah. <laughs> I smiled. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, just, yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, with being thankful and being appreciative of, of everything that, you know, that you've been able to do. And that's, you know, that's fantastic that you've been able to, to do that so much. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, I have another moment from further back in my career that I love to share because I find by all means, please really do. Please do. Um, yeah. so when I became, so when I became pregnant with my daughter in 2013, I got very ill. I had a high-risk pregnancy. I developed obsessive compulsive disorder during my pregnancy, which I still have and am medicated for. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't work. So this was the first time. I couldn't work. I, I couldn't even do a little. I was so sick um, and terrified of what was going to happen with my daughter and myself. And this was before mm -hmm. affordable care. So the medical bills, even with insurance, the, you know, over $50,000. And so now I'm a new mom, um, had a near death experience, have a baby now, have mm -hmm. huge debt and I'm way behind on everything. Um, so I did have yeah. to take another job outside of the home, even though I was a full-time writer, I had to step outside of the home to be able to make, make up for things while my daughter stayed at home with my husband. Um, because, you know, you go with the person with the higher income potential and or trying to dig out of a hole. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I worked um, a day job again for like a year and a half, I think. I worked for a nonfiction academic publisher. And I learned mm -hmm. some new cool things. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I'm not a writer anymore because I lost the creativity. Yeah. I didn't have the time because I was still doing some consulting for authors on the side to help pay mm -hmm. those, that down quicker. I was like, well, I'm not a writer anymore. It's fine. Um, but after two years, I just couldn't not write. And when I came back to it, I just knew like, this is what I am meant to do. I know 
what happens in my life, I will always come back to writing. And also that it was important for me to come back to something that, that was so special to me because I didn't want to teach my daughter to deprive herself. Even though she's young right. and maybe not going to remember that lesson, I want her to reach for the stars and not give up. So that's yeah. what I did. Um, and when I started writing again um, in 2015, because I was off for 2013 through 15, I found I didn't want to write what I had written before. And that's when I came out as myself, Melissa Storm. Yeah, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, because you, you had you had the previous, you had the previous pen name. I wrote um, as Shonda at first. And yeah. I, had, I had, my my brand was muddied because I was writing too many things. At least now I have multiple names to write all the things under. So my brand is <laughs> crisp and clean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, well, I'm starting over. And I wanted to write stories with faith themes um, mm -hmm. because my faith had become very important to me during that trying period and, and becoming a mom. I didn't want to write yeah. things that I wouldn't feel comfortable with my daughter seeing, um, which right. every mom can make that decision for herself. I'll still read, I'll still read steamy stuff. I just don't write it. Um, so right. no judgment yeah. from me. Um, I recently read a reverse harem series, which is never what somebody expects a Christian romance author to say, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> Very different. It brought in my horizon. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that, that was like really special to me having like having to set it aside, but then being able to come back. Um, cause I think a lot of authors are terrified of what happens if I have to give it up or I've given myself so much time or my spouse has given me so much time to be home and to really try. And that's all the time I have to succeed, but it isn't like, even if you do have to go back to a day job or can't quit yet, it's not all the time you have. Um, yeah. things that are meant to be are mm -hmm. so that that's just something that's been hugely important to me. And I like to share because I would not be where I was today without that break that two years was needed. Um, mm -hmm. And it just has made it all the more important to me. And it's honed my voice and my message because I feel like my words are more important now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, I know what you mean. It's just like once when that moment strikes, when you feel like, you know, this is the time to tell the story, it's always the right time. You know, it's so, um, so going over to 2017, same time that you had uh, that you had first charted. That was also the time that you had discovered Christian Lit, correct? Yes, um, I discovered Christian uh, Lit earlier that year. Like I guess it was late 2016. I get, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like since I became a mom, I don't know what year it is. Except for I know it's 2020 <laughs> right now. Oh yeah, everyone um, knows it's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I don't we're know all what looking forward. To, we're all looking forward to the hindsight too. So yeah. For the longest time, I just like seriously for four four years. I think I just kept thinking I was twenty eight because that was the age I had when I was when I had my daughter. And in my mind, mm -hmm. like I was always keeping track of her age and not my own. So then when I realized oh, yeah. I was thirty five now, I was like, "What? <laughs> what happened?" Yeah. Um, so I never know when things are. It's my best guess. Um, mm -hmm. so I apologize for giving you inaccurate information. Um, but yes, uh, about a year before I listed almost to the day was when I discovered Christian romance. Yeah. And well, and, uh, when you, when you started looking, um, you know, taking a look at that genre, what, um, what was it that really triggered the idea for you to get into that and really start exploring that? 
Well, <laughs> this is a hard one to answer. Um, not because I don't know the answer, mm -hmm. but because I don't want to discourage or upset anyone. Um, but I, I will, it's part of my journey. If, if your journey and beliefs are different, that is your journey. No judgment, but this is right. where I am. Um, mm -hmm. When Trump was elected, I fell mm -hmm. into a trough of deep despair for the future in our mm -hmm. country and um, seeing some of the things other Christians were saying um, yeah. broke my heart about, you know, mm -hmm. people who don't deserve to live or um, vandalizing temples or, you know, whatever. I, it just, it, now I'm going to cry. <laughs> mm. Darn you, George. Um, <laughs> and, and I was Sorry. really, I had a... <laughs> I had a crisis of faith. I said, I don't want to be part of this hate. Like I really believe that Jesus and God mm -hmm. are in love and I want to love and I don't want anybody to feel like they don't have the right to be alive. Yeah. Um, and I was considering leaving the faith because I was so disgusted. Um, and then I just had a moment where I was like, if I, if I leave, then people with my views leave, like then mm -hmm. both voices of hate are stronger. And I wanted to be a voice of love right. so that there's still good in people and in Christians. And that there still are those who love others, even if that's not the popularly expressed view. Um, and mm -hmm. I decided to not only um, stay in my faith, but to start writing about it in a way that, that better matches my own views and just shows, you know, everybody is worthy of life and love and God loves everybody. Um, so why can't we, and it's mm -hmm. not preachy or political, but just writing within my own viewpoint, knowing that my voice was out there too. Um, and, and yeah, <laughs> that's my story. Um, so I'm sorry it offends or upsets anyone, but that was a very real journey for me. And I know yeah. people with opposite views have similar journeys sometimes as well. So. Yeah, I, I, de I definitely understand that. So I was thrilled to see that, you know, that you had been able to get into that and become very successful at it too. And, um, but that's not the only genre that you've, that you've worked on. You've told me this before, but at the same time, I know if I, you know, like, run, you know, like run out the list of genres, I would, uh, I would be, I know I'd miss several. So tell me, tell, tell our re uh, listeners what you've been writing in throughout your whole uh, career as a writer. Alrighty. Um, so currently, I'm focused on women's fiction with faith elements. Mm -hmm. That's Melissa Storm. Cozy Mysteries with Pets. Mm -hmm. That's Molly Fitz. And um, Clean and Wholesome Urban Fantasy. Um, so nice. magical elements with none of the sex or swearing. All my brands are squeaky clean. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I'm writing right now. In the past. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've written um, young adults. I've mm -hmm. written uh, middle grade, which is like chapter book, or sorry, not middle grade, lower grade, like chapter books for early readers. Right. Uh, I've written um, picture books. I've mm -hmm. nonfiction. What else? Um, yeah. Oh, and then I also write um, sweet and Christian romance as Melissa Storm. Although I'm really focused on women's fiction now. Mm -hmm. Um. And I'm writing lit RPG, but that's a secret. Mostly. Nice. <laughs> wow. 
yeah, you, you, you absolutely blow me away. You know, like this, uh, the sort of, the sort of, con the sort of um, drive that you have to just keep on producing one thing after another. It's really, it's really amazing and inspiring as well. Um, so with that in mind, like, I mean, everything that you've done, you've been constantly reaching out to other authors to kind of like basically just kind of give them the sort of the tools that will hopefully get them to be, to approach the sort of level of success that you've had. Um, what, um, what do you have to say to the authors that are really just kind of like up and coming, finding their voice and trying to uh, get their own work out? Um, is there a specific genre that you recommend? Is there um, different lessons, you know, like in terms of marketing or anything that you would recommend? What would you have to say to, to them to kind of get them going on, on the right path? Um, in terms of which genres to write, I think it's so important to find the genre of your heart. And that mm -hmm. kind of sounds like a cop-out, but if you're chasing a trend, it's, it's not going to shine through as much as if you found what you were meant to write, the perfect key that unlocks mm -hmm. your creativity. Um, for me, finding cozy mysteries, it was like coming home. Like I just felt like it, the genre opened up its arms and embraced me. It was so cozy, mm -hmm. which is perfect for cozy mysteries. Um, yep. But there was so much joy um, about finding that. And that's what enabled me to write really fast and to really create my robust fan base. That's my cozy mystery readers more than anything else. Um, and I can be myself. Like, I can be as weird as I want to be. And I'm mm -hmm. a very weird person. Um, you know, one of my books has a, tea, a funeral for a teacup that got broken. And my readers love that. And I'm like, well, I found my people. <laughs> and, you know, unlocking what makes you uniquely you. Like, yes, I like to be a very inspirational and motivational and kind person. And I'm able to put that into my books as Melissa Storm. Mm -hmm. But writing as Molly Fitz and being silly and just being so in love with animals, mm -hmm. it, it suits me. Um, it's a place I, I can hang out in more rather than the deep stuff all the time. Um, yeah. So find that genre, that book that just opens you up and gives you joy. And that's the one to write and study it, learn it, know the rules. Definitely. I don't think right to market is a mistake, but you need to be writing the genre of your heart. Um, yeah. In terms of marketing, um, I have a lot of advice there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm endlessly giving it. That's why I asked. <laughs> my, my catchphrase that people actually quote me on is do it first or do it best. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of authors try to do all the things. They want to be on all the social media and, and try everything that comes out there. But if you're not either the, one of the early adopters, like, you know, the ones who were first in KU, for example, mm -hmm. or, or you're not really like you have the best game at it, it's, you're just wasting mm -hmm. your time. Like, I'm not saying it's not worth trying, but so many authors think they should, should, should. And you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. If you hate having a newsletter, there's no law. You can't be successful without a newsletter. I, I have friends who are huge sellers who don't do newsletters. I know people who don't have websites. Mm -hmm. Like, these are must for me, but they're not for everybody. So, right. again, I say follow your heart, but more like follow your comfort level if you hate doing something, your readers will know it. Mm -hmm. um, so don't waste your time. And yeah. it's 
not just the time you're wasting doing the task, thinking about doing the task, just being aggravated that you're not succeeding more at the task. Like just clear your schedule out and focus on what you do love. For me, I love doing ads. So I'm very lucky that I love the mm-hmm. thing that most people hate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so ads are a huge <laughs> part of um, what I do. And I like to also do fun things and be an early ad- I have a 10-part serial mystery chat bot that readers can interact to help solve the mystery. Um, I'm really proud wow. of that. It doesn't do a lot, but I like it, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's interactive, which is, which is a huge thing right now. So, yeah. Yeah, I was one of the – I feel like I did that um, one of the first and one of the best, so I like it. Um, mm-hmm. What else do I have to say about that? The other thing I have to say is the harder it is, the more it will be worth it when you get where you're going. Um, mm. I have some authors who take my classes yeah. that are, can apply the knowledge and immediately see results, like with ads or whatever I'm teaching. Yeah. Um, maybe they're writing something trendy mm-hmm. like reverse harem or steamy contemporary romance or cozy mystery. And those genres can be easier to succeed in because they're very popular and there's a lot of readers. Right. But I have um, one author who takes all my classes and is and she writes biblical fiction Mm -hmm. and that's a very small niche genre and she's doing all the same work as everyone else but it's so much slower and I I keep telling her like I know it's hard and you're you're doing so great but it's going to take longer to get there but once you're there wow Mm -hmm. because if it's hard for you chances are it's hard for everyone else Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not a genre that shifts in and out of popularity the way that romance goes steamy, sweet, steamy, sweet, and paranormal goes vampires, werewolves, vampires, werewolves. Biblical fiction right. will always be there and it will always have readers. And as you're building yourself as a staple of that genre, it will pay off if you don't give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so now I, I definitely need to personally pick your brain for just one, for just one, one big question. And this is something that's been, you know, that's been, you know, really on my mind for the past couple of years, because um, when, uh, when uh, my publisher got me a BookBub promotion for the first Excelsior book, um, it was successful for the most part. It got me, it got me uh, number one in one category on Amazon US, but also three categories on Amazon Canada. And they say that, you know, like if you reach number one on any of those, any of those categories, that makes you a best-selling author because you've got that little tag on, on your book. So the fact that it was U.S. and Canada, I was just like, okay, international, I'm good with that. And um, since then, you know, I mean, like, you know, the first Excelsior, it was able to reach that status. Um, Ever Upward Part 2, which I believe is a better book, but at the same time, it's the part two of the whole thing. Uh, the sales have been pretty, I, w- I would say, dismal, you know, to, to, to basically say. Um, now, I'm working on part three, and this is going to wrap up the whole trilogy. Is there, um, is there a, a way for me to basically just do the marketing and everything that you, um, that you taught? Like, I can, t- I can go, to, go to the uh, Your Author Engine uh, lesson, the, the breakdown that I've already purchased. And will I be able to still like kind of follow that and get the get, I don't want to say like, will it get the success because it's always, it's always up in the air. Um, But will I have a better chance for success by 
following this method and will that benefit parts one and two? So my Palmerinian believes in you. That was a huge bark of support. Okay. <laughs> I, I love Pomeranian, so yeah, thank you. <laughs> we have five. Uh, well, we have seven dogs, and five of them have Pomeranian breed. Um, nice. That was the full blood who was supporting you. Um, all right. So uh, every book is different, and every yes. situation is different. Um, yes. And that's, and that's why I made sure to say, you know, to qualify this was just like, yeah. this is, you know, like, I'm not asking for any guarantees. I'm not asking for, you know, like for, um, for some outlandish type of, type of uh, expectations that I should have, you know, like, I'm just basically just asking, you know, just for, uh, you know, for a little bit of, you know, a little bit of brain picking for the, uh, for the actual, you know, one who put this well. whole lesson together. I do have an answer. Yes. Um, so for book three, it's going to be very hard to list on a subsequent book in the series unless mm -hmm. you've had a lot of readers for the earlier books. Mm -hmm. um, generally, it's a lot easier to launch to list on a book one in a series on a standalone, mm -hmm. although right. you don't get as much ROI if you're doing a standalone. Um, or you could do a box set of your three books together and mm -hmm. put that on sale. Um, and try to list with those. So okay. I would definitely not try to list a book three unless books one and two also hit and maintain steady sales. Like my first three cozy mysteries all listed. Um, mm -hmm. And then the fourth one didn't. So then I stopped trying. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so what I would do more is you want to focus on either, you know, the act and the goal of hitting that list, or you want to focus on profit. And a lot of authors at the end of the day, they think they want the list, but they want profit. Right. And the great thing about having a completed trilogy or a series with multiple books that are out is it's so much easier to advertise them and make a profit. Mm -hmm. um, right now, my seven book series is my big earner. Um, and I also have an 11 books and counting series. And I don't have to do anything. The right. series just sells itself because it's so long and getting one reader at the beginning of the series knowing my read throughs it's like $30 for every book one purchase I'll make $30 over the course of the series mm -hmm. uh, or just the books that are already out yeah so when you're doing ads and you're like hey the trilogy is now complete mm -hmm. I would focus on profit rather than trying to launch um to list now right um, after they've been out for a few months, if you can get a book bub, that would make it easiest uh, to do to promote the box set at 99 cents mm -hmm. and then do a really heavy marketing campaign around that. It's going to be easier to list like that if you haven't already listed your previous books because you'll have more readers out there that you can grab. Um, right. So that's what I would do in your situation is make money for now and then consider mm -hmm. a list run with a, a box set. Gotcha. Okay. That's, that's huge. That, that helps me out a whole lot. So okay. I will, um, yeah, I'll definitely be able to take that and run with it. Now we've known each other for, I would say like six, seven years, somewhere around, around there, you know, like, um, it's definitely been a long time. And one of the things that always, uh, that always impressed me was the amount of production you were able to do on your books in such a short amount of time. And you, introduced me to a method that um that that coerced me into getting both the uh the kindle version and the audiobook for 
uh, this book called 2000 to 10,000 by, I think her name was uh, Rachel Aaron. Um, so yeah, so it was, um, you mentioned it as the scaffolding method. Tell us a little bit about that because this is really gonna, this is me being incredibly selfish because I'm ramping up on uh, book three and anything to increase the productivity would be great. Yeah, my dogs love the scaffolding method. <laughs> Very excited. They're glad you asked this question. Yep. Um, so when I first started writing, I remember reading On Writing by Stephen mm -hmm. King, and he said he does two drafts. And I, me with my like 13th draft of my first novel was, mm -hmm. my mind was blown. Yeah. Um, but now I actually do two drafts also. And it's not just that I write the almost perfect first draft and then I go through and make minor tweaks on the second one. It's really a process. So when I'm writing through my first draft, it will usually be about about half to two thirds of what the final chapter will be in length. Mm -hmm. um, and if anything doesn't come in my brain immediately, I will skip over it or I'll put uh, like a placeholder in. Um, so if I have to like write a kiss or something, I'll usually write in all caps, they kiss or describe kiss. Or <laughs> if I have to add a transition, I'll leave out a lot of the uh, description and dialogue tags and I'll just focus on action and dialogue and anything else that just comes straight out of in my brain um, mm -hmm. and then I'll go I'll I'll go back through later after I have several of these draft chapters and then I fill it out so okay I already know what happens let's add the details let's add transitions um, let's find that perfect word I might not have thought of in the first draft and I'm left with a more robust but also a self-edited and cleaned up draft um, mm. so usually I will do like five first drafts the first five chapters and then I might go back and edit all those or if I'm trying to really rush myself along I might write as much as half of the book before mm. going back but I like to overlap those drafts so that it's not just finish the first draft then write the second draft I like it to be a little fresher in my mind so I can write the, the description and the more heavy details um, fluidly yeah that's a okay that's awesome that's so cool. That's so cool. That's going to, like I said before, that's really going to help me out a lot. What, uh, what particular genre have you really like enjoyed in, uh, in indulging in the most? As a reader or writer? Uh, both. Um, as a, as a writer, my heart genre is cozy mysteries. I feel like mm -hmm. my women's fiction, especially with the faith themes like Sunday Potluck Club or the church dogs of Charleston, mm -hmm. that's like the message I want to tell to the world. Like I want to give people hope. I want to inspire them. I want to comfort them and let them know they're not alone. Those mm -hmm. are hard emotional rights. I can't yeah. do it all the time. So I have a lot of fun <laughs> writing my cozy mysteries. So mm -hmm. I'm like a theater mass, you know, tragedy and and uh, comedy together. Right. Um, I, I have the most fun writing cozies, hands down. I just love it. I just fall into it like Alice. Um, through the looking glass. And mm -hmm. um, as a reader, I am a very diverse reader. I, I like to cycle genres or I'll be obsessed with one for a little while then move on to another. Right. 2020, um, during 2020, I really do love urban fantasy um, and paranormal mm -hmm. magic within our own world because kind of it would be nice to believe in magic right now. <laughs> um, right. So I'm enjoying that a lot. Usually I really like psychological thrillers um, and mm -hmm. horror. 
yeah. but I don't want to read that in 2020 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Understandable. So, <laughs> uh, I also love historical fiction, especially oceanic historical fiction, like uh, New Zealand. I love reading about New Zealand. I got to travel mm -hmm. there. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I do read a lot of cozy mysteries. I've read one series that has 36 books and counting in it, and I'm caught up and waiting. I wow. have a lot of series like that. Um, I still love nonfiction and business books get me really excited. I read writing books all the time. Yeah. Uh, they just help keep me enthusiastic. Um, Gosh, you know, the only genre I don't read is epic fantasy. Mm. <laughs> Which, know. I mean, it's understandable because it, it, it asks so much of you. <laughs> like, and I, I, total, I totally I just, get that. As a reader, I like things to be fast. Like, I actually do love literary fiction and the classics, too. But with mm -hmm. fantasy, I just, there's too much description. Yeah. Like, I think I started reading um, Game of Thrones back in the day when it first became a TV show. And I kid you yeah. not, I did not make it past 1% on my ebook. I was like, stop walking around the woods and have something happen. I don't care about the woods. <laughs> I am, I'm the same way. I'm very, I'm, I'm an impatient writer and reader. Um, I am very story driven. So I really just don't want to dwell on, you know, the sort of like world building or anything. I just want to get on with the story, you know, just, Let's go. Let's let's pick up the whatever we have and let's start moving forward. Do um, the quest. Right. You know. Let, let's go. Let's go already. Yeah. You know? um, so I definitely know what you mean right there. Um, okay. Now you now you say that uh, you have your your own business and you have a staff of about you know seven seven people. You said. Yeah, I never know the exact number. Um, I think that, because like some people are like on this side and some people are on this side and some people are on all sides. Right. Uh, so like six or seven in addition to me, yeah. Okay. If you were to basically like uh, reach out and say, hey, we're hiring, uh, what's, what, sort of, uh, what sort of positions would you be interested in, in filling? Uh, we are hiring. <laughs> you are hiring. Okay. <laughs> That's why it's like a... <sighs> pain point exhausted right. side. I have such a great core group but as we grow occasionally mm -hmm. we'll have to be like okay we have to we have to try this again and it can be difficult because we have such a beautiful high functioning team already then we're all really close to each other mm -hmm. so it's hard bringing somebody in who is a perfect fit yeah. Uh, we are hiring uh, for PAs right now for novel publicity um, to do things like write copy for newsletters mm -hmm. and possibly some graphics for ads and possibly training on some ads, um, how to run ads. Um, that one's a very hard one to hire for. Yeah. Um, so those are the kind of things we're looking at. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really hard to find. It's really hard to find good help when you already have the best help in the world. It's because my expectations are so high. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, if I wouldn't have taken the chance, I wouldn't have the amazing, like my staff is really like, they are my family. Like I love yeah. them so much and we're all so tight and it's awesome. Yeah. Very you cool. just hit a pain point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over this month and I'm like, oh. <laughs> sorry that's not a problem <laughs> yeah so if but uh if by some chance you know like uh you know our listeners are wanting to get into this field and think that they maybe you know may have what it takes where would they contact you 
<laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't open applications. I always try to figure out based from my network. So if we're in the network and mm -hmm. I know you, I'm considering you. Gotcha. Um, based on what, what I know and who you are. So like when people come to me and say, hey, stranger, I'd like a job. Mm -hmm. That never goes well because I like to know what I'm getting into. And I, I always believe in hiring the right person and then fitting, fitting the job around them rather than yeah. hiring a person to fill a hole. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're looking to get into the industry in general, though, uh, I would say find the areas you excel. Don't just think, oh, because I'm a writer, I'll be a good editor. Um, mm -hmm. Or because I can use Canva, I'll be a good cover designer. Um, you right. really need to find, search for the area of excellence. Mm -hmm. um, and then just start putting yourself out there, even if it's a little uncomfortable. I just said that I don't like when people approach me out of the blue, but find, find ways to first be a helper before mm -hmm. you ask for help. I think that's so mm. important. That's a good, that's a really good lesson to, you know, just for people to apply to everyday life, really, you know, just be yeah. the helper first and then ask for help. Um, it's kind of like uh, Gary, uh, Gary V's book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, where it's, you know, yeah. just, you know, you know, show your worth and, you know, show what you can do and everything and, you know, do things for, you know, for others and show, you know, like, uh, you know, get that sort of attention and everything, get that sort of, you know, fan base and then, bring in the call to action. So yeah, I um, definitely get that. So, and I would be absolutely remiss if I did not mention how you came to my rescue in 2015. Um, because when, uh, during, from uh, August to uh, November of 2015, I was unemployed. And I was, I basically took up the challenge to go into um, to go into the voiceover world. And what I, in order for me to do that, I needed to get lessons. And fortunately there was a local place here in St. Louis that was offering them. And I basically put together a Kickstarter promotion and said that, uh, I will narrate, um, I will narrate a uh, thousand words of your copy for $20. I'll narrate 500 words, of your copy for $10. Um, I had another um, I had another writer come on board and say that she was willing to uh, put together a trailer or something like uh, with their help with um, with me narrating it for say like fifty dollars or whatever you know like whatever the case and we wound up we wound up raising the money for for me to get these lessons and a big a big advocate of this was you oh. and I will never ever be more you know like never ever forget um how you reached out to me and um i know i still owe the, uh, uh your husband the uh the narration of of his short story but that is very, you know definitely you know like right next on my list to uh go ahead and tackle um and i'm glad that i waited this long because i was able to get the sort of experience and get my uh my studio the where it could be so that way i'm giving you the best possible work um mm -hmm. You have a great voice for it, as I've always told you. And, and the funny thing is, I don't know if I should admit this, but I don't even remember. Like, I, I remember, oh, yes, I did donate. I you don't did, remember you did. when it was, did. the situation or how much it was. Like, I just think it's so important to always be looking for when you're able to make a difference, make it. Um, and that's kind of how I always lived my life. And, you know, since I've known you, you've always been an, a nice guy, a serving guy. And I don't even remember really helping, but I'm glad I 
and that's how I continue to live life. Um, and that's how I yeah. encourage everyone because, you know, regardless of what you believe, I really do think that what you put out into the world comes back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I will, I will, I will always be appreciative, you know, to you for, for, for being there. And um, yeah, that's, you know, um, now it's, now it's my turn to get just, you know, slightly emotional. <laughs> well, I'm happy uh, I was able to help and you're clearly doing a great job. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And um, so, um, so with, with everything that, that you've done, everything that you've, you know, continued to do, uh, where can, where can my listeners find you on social media? No, I'm everywhere. Um, except for I'm not actually. Mm -hmm. Facebook. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I have my websites. I have a lot of websites. Um, so if you can remember Melstorm, M-E-L-S-T-O-R-M, mm -hmm. um, or Litring, L-I-T-R-I-N-G. Those are a couple of them. Um, or you can look up Melissa Storm on Facebook. I don't, I'm not on Twitter anymore. It's gotten to be a nasty place I don't like. So I actually deleted my account. Um, oh, you fully deleted it, huh? Yeah. And that's where I got a lot of my start. And I was just hanging on to it thinking I should really get back in there. But I was like, this brings me no happiness and it only causes me stress. I don't like mm -hmm. how Twitter is anymore. So yeah. You know, that's why I said you don't have to do anything. I don't have to have a Twitter. <laughs> so yeah. I'm there. Um, I do have YouTube videos up on various things. Uh, today I started Discord and my husband was really proud uh. of me. He says I have nerd cred now. Um, <laughs> that I, have I, have, I have a Discord account of my own. I have just yet to actually start using it. Um, one of my, one of my, uh, one of my friends is, uh, He's done, he's done very well on it, you know, just uh, with, uh, with his writing, you know, by, by uh, hosting different like writing sessions and everything. That's why I started it is the Patreon at the lowest level. There's a, a discord, a writing accountability discord um, server. Oh, so I got on there and okay. luckily had a friend who was helping me figure it out. And it felt good that my husband was proud of me mm -hmm. for something so small right. <laughs> um, but I'm there now um and yeah but Facebook's really the best place I have groups I have a an open marketing group um search for Melissa Storm um I accept a lot of friend requests especially if we have friends in common uh, I will say this is horrible but if you're male just message me first that you heard of me through this podcast otherwise I would, will probably delete your friend request just because there are a lot yeah. dudes on Facebook. So yeah. let me know you're not yeah. for them. <laughs> and you can you can join the fold. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This I, I totally understand, and um, it's just been it's it's just been an absolute joy, like getting to uh, know more about everything that you've done, everything you're continuing to do, and I hope that all of you listeners have been able to not only take this, take everything that uh, that Melissa has as given today, but also, um, but also take advantage of everything that she is offering. And it's, there's so much that, uh, that goes into this wonderful world of writing. And so many people just really kind of take it for granted. And thankfully, uh, Melissa Storm is not one of those people because she has, she has put herself into every facet of this business and has done her homework in, you know, the entire way and wants nothing but to give back to everyone so that way they can reach the same level of success 
as as she has. And that really is a true Excelsior journey because she's not only improving herself, but she is improving the industry as a whole by doing by doing what she does. So for Melissa Storm, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. And I will see you next week.